Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. I'm so grateful for friends and family being able to listen in online. My mother often quotes or makes a remark that she joins the preaching online. I want to just greet her and tell her I love her today. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like to turn to John. She's got two sons that are her favorite preachers. So she has a full Sunday to get both sermons in. One from Florida and one from Wisconsin. John 11, 1 through 6 is where we'd like to go today to talk about some things that the Lord, I feel, has impressed upon my heart. Have you ever heard the saying, the good is ever the enemy of the best? That wanting good things is is great but you can settle into good things and never have the best of what God wants for you amen and sometimes you have to walk away from what looks like good on your way to what God's best is for you and it's comfortable where it's good amen we are we like to be where it's good we like to be nourished where it's good and we like to do things but sometimes you have to walk through the wilderness to get to the promised land And so I'm not going to be too long-winded today. My notes will take us to about 4 p.m. No, (laughs) you're the only one. (laughs) You're the only one. So John 11, 1 through 6. Scripture says this, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. Scripture calls it the town of Mary. Hmm. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. She took her glory and wiped the glorious one, amen, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou loveth or lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, oh good. Jesus has said it, that settles it. But for the glory of God, that the Son of Man, or the flesh of God, the Son of God, might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he left right away on the fastest camel and rode right back to Bethany. It's not what it says. It says he abode two days still in the same place where he was. That looks like love to me. Doesn't that look like love to you? Hey, someone's sick unto death. Oh, good. Let's chill. Anybody have a Netflix account? <laughs> Let's just hang out here and do nothing because we don't have to leave right away. That doesn't look like love to me. Love to me would be someone sick come right away. Jesus hung out. Verse 7 says that, Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go unto 
into Judea again. And his disciples said, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither. Again, they thought it was a death wish. You're going back to die. And so, then of course, Thomas, go on to the next verse. So Jesus answered, Are thou not... 12 hours in a, are there not 12 hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Thank you, Reese, for teaching the way you taught today in life class. I appreciate that. He was talking about environments that we need to be careful of, because when you go in dark environments, it's easier to stumble where there's no light. The next verse, these things said he, and after that he said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Oh, good. More encouragement from Jesus. He's going to be fine. He's just asleep. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Oh, good. It's going to be a great morning. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he is doing well. Next verse, Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought he was speaking of him taking a nap, rest and sleep. And then Jesus got real plain with them and said, Lazarus is dead. He was a friend. He was loved by Jesus and yet Jesus waited for him to pass away. This seems really strange to me, but if it's going to glorify Jesus, it's worth it. Amen. At least Jesus thought so. I want to preach to you for a little while about losing your first love. Revelations 2 and 1 talks to a church at Ephesus. And the church at Ephesus was an amazing church. It says, And the angel of the church of Ephesus write, or to the pastor of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand and walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. He said, I know what you do and I know your patience and I know how hard it is for you to watch people that do evil things. And you, you can barely bear them because you've lived, you've lived a pure life and a separated life. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. Those that say they're Christians, those that say they live for God, but they're not. That You've tried them and has found them liars. Then he goes on to the next verse and has borne and has and has patience and for my name and ha has patience and for my name's sake have labored you've labored and you've borne and you've lifted and you've done things and you've bared the load and you've been patient and you have not fainted you've not given up he said nevertheless i have somewhat against thee because thou hast left your first love you left your first love i want to talk to you for a little while about remember your first love. Jesus, help us to restore our first love in you, to remind ourselves that our clock is not your clock, and you show up on time even if it's not our understanding of what's on time. Help us to invest trust in you again today, and help us to walk with you with a new zeal and a new hope and a love that never fails. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I want the best that God has for me. Amen? It's the devil's oldest scheme, I think, to try to convince the church that God will not show up for them, that God's not worth giving your time to. But the truth of the matter is, if you tell someone you love them, you have to be willing to give them your time. Love is spelled T-I-M-E.
Children know it. They don't care what you drive or what you have in the bank. They don't care how big your 401k is or even how big the house they live in is because they just don't understand. But one thing they do understand, if daddy says he loves me and doesn't spend time with me, something's wrong. If mama says she loves me but has no time for me, then is that really love? And sometimes we can carry that into our relationship with God if we've had poor mother-father relationships or we've had difficulty in, in, in love relationships throughout our life and we've invested in, in trust relationships and they've been broken. We can carry that into our understanding of who God is in our life and what he does for us. And the thing that I'm concerned about most is the fact that whenever I see stories in the scripture of people that love the Lord and live for the Lord, I'm grateful that it gives a full testimony, not just part of the testimony, not just the Sunday morning smiling in a nice, in your Sunday best testimony, not the testimony that you get from most people with their positive confession, as I was talking to sister about this morning, where there's things going on in the background, there's things going on in their life, but they don't show that because we're in church this morning, we have to smile, we have to be excited, we have to come into the, the Lord's house, and sometimes you spend your life doing all of those things and forget that God has a full testimony in the word of God. You, you, you spend your whole life being excited about the things of God. You know, you, you, you kept your dance in the middle of a dilemma and you, you kept paying your tithes. And, no, and it wasn't just you putting money in saying God's going to give it back. But it was truly from a heart that said God deserves my best and so I'm going to give him my first. Amen. And so we find places in scripture where there's testimony that there's not only a time when God does his best work for us, but there's also a time when God waits. When God hasn't said no, but he also hasn't shown up. It's awfully easy for us to remember that, that whenever we have a place of, and walk with God, that God blesses us, and he, he truly does. I mean, I, I, I can speak from my own experience. I'm blessed, and I can't help it. I mean, I, just, I don't know how to say it any other way because when my car should have not started 20 times ago, it's still running. And when my house should have had a leak, it doesn't. It's, it's still good. And when, when things happen in relationships that should have fallen apart and deteriorated, I'm still in a good relationship with that person. God's mercy has been on my life. His hope and his help has been there every single day of my life. And even though there's ups and downs with walking with God, he never leaves me and forsakes me. I'm blessed and I can't help it. I'm thankful. But I'm thankful also that in this story, when Jesus is in another town and Mary and Martha have an issue that Jesus doesn't show up for, that it helps me to understand that even in the place where Jesus loved to stay and dwell when he was in Bethany, there was a problem in the house. Amen? That means that even whenever you live for God all your life, there can still be problems that rise up in your relationships and in the house. Amen? And we don't like to show those problems. We like to hide those and just say, well, everything is going to be okay. There's some things that are not for public consumption. Amen? Just some things that we put back and say, well, that's my personal problem or that's a problem in my marriage or that's a problem in the home and I hope we'll get through it. But there's sometimes when a problem becomes so big, you just can't hide it anymore. And the issue's big enough that now others know about it. It was just supposed to be a friend sick, but now it's a friend that's dead. And everybody knows that Jesus loved Lazarus. Because when Jesus would show up, he would always stay at their house. 
I wonder if Jesus came to this city, what house he would be comfortable staying in. I wonder if this is a place that he feels comfortable being. I wonder if there's any church and any home that he would come to. Would he come to your home? Would he stay at your church? Would he want to show up when he came to your city? I wonder if Jesus was comfortable in your heart. If today, if you were to invite him in, was, is there a place where he could make himself a home? Would it be something that he longed to travel to? Would it be some place where he longed to show up if Jesus were here today? Would he want to be at your place? Would he want to go home with you for lunch? What are you having? That might determine it. I don't know. Got a roast in the oven. But what I noticed about Mary and Martha, even more so about Mary, is they had invested in the Lord. They had met a place for him. He was comfortable there. And Jesus showed up at their place when there wasn't a crisis. Surely he would show up when there was a crisis. But Jesus didn't show up. What's hard for me as a pastor is that I'm set as a representative of Jesus in the earth. I'm his lawyer. And I need to stand here every day and represent him, every week and represent him well. But if he would have started out the journey as soon as he would have known. I probably could have gotten him off with the courts. I probably could give you a good case, an example of how Jesus started moving the moment his loved one got sick. If it had been like the previous case where he was headed to Jairus' house and Jairus' daughter was sick and as soon as Jairus came to him, he started traveling and, and while he was traveling, a woman with an issue of blood made her way through the crowd and didn't care what anybody thought, crawled up to Jesus and touched his, him of his garment and issue and the, the, the power of God flew, fl uh, flowed to her issue and she was healed and it delayed him and I, I can understand when there was a delay on the way to Jairus' house and, and when they got there, he had to raise her but uh, there's no delay lay here. In fact, it seems in the scripture that he's just hanging out. Nothing to do. No place to go. It would seem. And Mary realizes because she's a worshiper that this is a job for the Lord. So Martha and Mary send for Jesus and he doesn't come. I wonder, I wonder how many times we prayed prayers and it felt like Jesus didn't show up. Have you ever invested in something and it didn't work out? How many want to be real with me here? Yeah, there's a few of you. I need some help from somebody. I need this open. Sarah, you want to help me? Or brother, yes, brother Don, thank you. Let's just, uh, let's take just a moment and let's just analyze this for a second because you would feel bad too. have a little fun is that okay you guys okay with having fun in church oh good good i i was just checking because i don't want to make sure you're not falling asleep or anything let's pretend this is our relationship with jesus christ and we invest trust in him and that's great he's the keeper of all things right he's good he's kind he's faithful but what happens when we pray a prayer and jesus doesn't show up on our timetable 
put that right in there for later. And then we decide, well, he's still good. He's God. He can show up on time, and we invest more. <laughs> this is a problem, isn't it? It's just water. Don't worry about it. When we have our trust violated or broken or there's holes that are poked in our trust, you cannot put more in without feeling like it spills out. And this is what happens in relationships where trust is broken. You actually have multiple instances happen where there's not a feeling of trust that can take place because the more you invest into the relationship and say, you know what, they let me down, I'm, I'm going to trust them again, I, I will invest more, there's still places that are broken that can't be repaired. And it's not until Jesus comes. Whether he's on time or not, it's not until he comes and wraps you in his love that you can feel comfortable investing more in him. Little illustration, it's not an amazing illustration, but it's enough to know that when you put all of yourself into serving the Lord and you let him be the God of timetable, you don't trust your understanding, you lean not on your own understanding, as Thessalonians 5 says, but you, you trust the Lord. He will be faithful to honor everything that you invest into his kingdom. And everything that you invest into the relationship. Thank you, Brother. Give Brother Adana a big hand. Martha was the one that was dutiful. She was taking care of things, and I'm sure she thought for sure Jesus would show up. And I would too. Wouldn't you? He hangs out with them, he loves them. The scripture is careful to tell us that. Jesus loved them. But the Bible says when he heard of it, he stayed or he abode two more days. And so I'm wondering, is that really love? See, for me, whenever I have somebody sick in the church, if I don't show up or send someone that looks like me, <laughs> they'll leave the church. <laughs> I need to do something right away for somebody that's in trouble. And so I would think that Jesus would want to do the same. I, I don't know if you've ever been in an emergency before and ever called on the Lord in an emergency, but you'd think because you were faithful to God, he would show up instantaneously. And maybe he has in some instance for you, but has there ever been a point, and I'm not preaching about the times whenever God showed up miraculously, miraculously and, and did what only God can do in the moment. I know those times exist, but I don't need preaching all the time about what God did in the instant or in the moment. That encourages my faith, and I'm thankful for it. But what I need to know about is how do I handle when I have an emergency and I pray and the Lord doesn't show up, doesn't come on my timetable, doesn't show up and represent me the way I thought he would. I guess I'm asking today, have you ever been in a place where you prayed that God would show up and he didn't come in an emergency? I would want him to get in an ambulance and rush here with sirens blaring and take care of the situation. I'm not concerned at that moment about whether angels are getting dispatched. I'm not concerned about whether heaven and earth is being taken care of. Whenever you have an emergency in your life, you need Jesus to show up. Has anybody ever been there? 
And he does at times, but other times he does not. And the reason why the Bible says because it was going to give him glory. And Mary had invested, and now that relationship was broken. The Bible even telling us that when Jesus finally decides to tell his disciples that he's going to go back to the city, that Mary sat up in the house. Mary was irritated. She was angry. She was wroth. She was upset. She was ticked off. She was just mad. And she did not go out to meet Jesus. Martha went out to meet Jesus. And Martha said something that's very powerful. She sat there in the house. While Mary sat there in the house, Martha went out to meet him. And Mary and Martha both asked the question, if you had been here. If you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. And it's true that Jesus would have been there. And Jesus would have resurrected him. But also the truth of the story is that they only knew Jesus as a healer. He wanted them to know Jesus as the resurrection. And so it was going to give him glory to wait because everybody knew who Jesus was as the blind eye opener and the deaf ear unstopper. But nobody had ever seen Jesus call somebody from the grave. And you know what I think? Because his word is so powerful. I think that I could represent him if he started on the way, but he didn't even show up. And I think that if he would have just sent his word, it would have happened. Don't you? God's word is powerful and mighty. He can do anything. He can speak a word and it can change everything. So I think if he would have just said from wherever he was at the moment, if he would have just spoke a word, that Lazarus would have been healed and got up out of that bed. But instead he chose to wait because he knew that standing at that grave, at that tomb, there was going to be a revelation of God in him, that there was going to be something that happened and we see Jesus standing at a grave as a human in, 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 a, in a body that we see Jesus weeping over the loss of his friend. The only place where we see Jesus weeping. Why didn't he come sooner? He's, he waited so long that he didn't even make it to the hospital to pray. He didn't even make it to the funeral service. He didn't even make it to the graveside service. How can you show up and say you love somebody? if you can't even be there for their funeral. He comes to find out that he's been dead for four days. And by now, Scripture says, he stinketh. <laughs> Have you ever had a situation that when God finally showed up, you didn't want to tell him about it because it seems like it's just too bad for him to handle? This was the situation that Jesus was dealing with. And, and so they were like, why haven't you come and handled this situation? Why didn't you show up? And Jesus said, take me to where you laid him. Take me to the point where you put him in the tomb. And that's what Jesus would ask your heart today in my heart. If we have ever walked away from a thing that we believed in or a dream that we had hopes in or something that we've invested in and, and something in life poked holes in it and every bit of trust has poured out and we find ourselves with an empty vessel. We find ourselves with a moment of lack of trust or we find ourselves in a place where we don't seem to know how to love God the way we loved him when we first fell in love with him. I want you to know that Jesus will not mince words. He will not soft soap it. He'll ask you to take 
He'll ask you to take him to the place where your dreams died. He'll ask you to take him to where you laid your faith down, to take him to the place where you gave up on him because you thought he gave up on you. But he never gives up on us. He never stops loving us. His love is patient and kind, and it is everlasting. The love of God cannot be understood with the human mind because agape is not human love. We, we can experience philio. We can experience eros and other love between human beings, but we don't know what God's love is like. It's a love so great that the Bible said that God so loved the world that he, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God was so loved to a lost world. The world the world there used in scripture means lost souls. Not people that are sitting in church on a Sunday morning, but people that don't even know the world exists right now because they're still coming off of a drunken stupor. People that don't know what Jesus or who Jesus even is. People that don't know what it's like to not have two and three relationships dissolve and right now they're sitting with a divorce label on their life and it's not even one, but three. And people that don't even know how to do the things that we all think you should know how to do. The people that don't know what it is to walk with God. I know for a fact that when Jesus speaks love into my heart, it's not a love that has to be reciprocated. It's a love that I didn't have to earn. It's a love that I didn't deserve. How many have ever been touched by the love of God so much that you know you didn't deserve it? You know that he shouldn't, have, he shouldn't have given you the kind of mercy and grace that he did, but he did reach out to you and touch your life. Why was Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus when he was about to raise him? Does that make any sense at all? I think because Jesus knew the weight as God in flesh, that every single human being now would know when they stand at the grave of a loved one and say goodbye to somebody that they can't get back. No, no help is seeming to be there, but Jesus possibly stood here and wept over the moments that every human being has to go through because sin brought death. And maybe Jesus stood there and wept because he realized how much sin hurts. If we only knew the damage of sin, we would run from it as fast as we could. We wouldn't flirt with the world or the things of the world. The scripture tells us in John that we're not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. The Bible tells us don't love the worldly system. Don't love the things that come from the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. All those things pass away, and the lust thereof, and he that doeth, and he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I just want to do the will of God in my life. Amen. I just want to see God's power and his blessing. I don't want him to stand one day and weep over a life that I live for him and then buried everything that I had that I trusted him for. I want him to walk to a tomb today in somebody's life and say, whatever it is, come forth. 
I believe he can do that. I believe he can do that. It's a tough love, isn't it? We're seeing here in Scripture a very tough love, the willingness to be misunderstood. Jesus didn't care if he was misunderstood. He didn't care what others thought of his love. He was showing up to be the resurrection, not showing up to be the healer. And so when he did that, all of the, all of the people that were there recognized him as the resurrection. And did you know that when they tried to kill Jesus from this point on, when they wanted to kill Jesus, they would have snuck in and taken Jesus and killed him, but they couldn't because Jesus hung out in the house where Lazarus was. And everybody, the fame went out through all the land that Lazarus was resurrected. And so Jesus made it to the cross because Lazarus went to a tomb. You have to understand that the glory of God, for him to be glorified, he had to die. And Lazarus was a picture of what Jesus would do for us. So maybe when Jesus stood there and wept, he was realizing that my friend is an example of what I will do for the church. Tough love, isn't it? Tough love. Jesus' actions said he loved Mary and Martha. Have you ever been in a place, careful to answer this one, have you ever been in a place where you understand God loved you more because he was late? Have you ever been in a place where you recognized that love delayed is not love lost? That when God chooses to wait and not give you that baby when you thought you should have it, or when God chooses to wait and not give you that marriage you thought you'd already be in, and when God chooses to wait and not give you what you'd already prayed for and asked him for, that maybe love is delaying because he wants to give you the best of what he has for you. And so Martha, having her faith already damaged and her trust already bruised, said in verse 22, that I know even now. She said, I know he's dead, and I know you didn't come, but I know even now you can raise him from the dead. And so he took him to the place. And I, I think that Jesus called Lazarus' name because if he didn't call his name, everybody would have got up. <laughs> would have been like a mass resurrection. Just everybody get up and come out. Hear a bunch of bumping and people trying to come out of the grave. Everybody's just scared half to death. They don't know where all the noises are coming from. Jesus is so powerful that he can do an even now miracle in your life. I want you to know that if, you've, if there's anything that you've been waiting on God for, I feel released to tell you that his love is the only thing that delayed his answer. And it's coming to you this week, next week, or the month after, because I just, I just believe God has released miracle power to us in this place and that there's nothing that God won't do. Yes, that's true, but I believe he's going to show up even now. If you have faith to believe, regardless of how you've believed before, if you have faith to believe right now, and if you'll invest in your worship, you understand that worship prepares you for your miracle, amen? Worship prepares you to understand a love we can't understand even when it's delayed, even when God doesn't show up on our timetable. Your worship is what you have to wait on God. Amen, someone. When you're in the waiting room waiting on something from God, all you have to do is say, my position may not be where I want to be, but my worship is still with me. I can worship God whether I, I know what he's doing or whether I don't know what he's doing.
It's interesting that praise is transferable, but worship is not. You can praise somebody in a sports realm that is an amazing athlete. You can praise somebody's nice car they pull up in. Man, that's amazing. You praise Jesus for what he's done. But did you know that you can praise the Lord for the things he's done and for the places he's given you? And I'm very thankful for the nice things that I have. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you shouldn't praise the Lord. I praise him for nice shoes and I praise him for a suit to wear. And I praise him that I have lights on at my house. And I praise him for the tree that fell in my back. Well, maybe not that. The tree that fell in my backyard. (laughs) I was like, oh, praise the Lord. And I praise him for the things that I have, but when I don't have those things, if I didn't have a nice suit, and if I didn't have nice shoes, and I didn't have lights on at home, and I didn't have a tree falling in the backyard, I don't know how you praise for that, but even if I didn't have the things that we call good, you can still worship the Lord, amen? You can worship the Lord in a foreign land, in Ethiopia, in places where there's no running water and no electricity. They don't need the things we have to praise God with. They can worship God, because worship is based on knowledge. I know who God is, so therefore, I worship him, and my worship allows me to wait on God when he's coming with my best because I know he's not going to leave me with something less than a resurrection. If I have found God to be a good God, a God that will go to the cross for me, a God that will lay down all my sins under the blood of Jesus Christ, I have to believe that there is a miracle waiting on my... I'm yelling because I'm excited. I want you to know there's miracles that are going to happen in your life. There's miracles that are going to happen in your children's life and while you're waiting on your miracle the thing you must do is stay worshiping stay a worshiper your position determines the result of your promise and so i must be a worshiper where have you laid him he asked i'm probably not going to get the revelation too but that's okay said, lead me to the place where your faith gave up. Lead me to the place where you buried him. And Jesus said, roll the stone away. They're like, no, no, you don't want to do that. They had wrapped him in clothes and they had done all the burial routine, but they said, no, by now it's not a good situation. And Jesus spoke to them and said, you do the part that you can do and I'll do the part that you can't do. I want you to know that if Jesus has waited on your answered prayer, and you haven't seen it yet, you do the part that you can do. And trust God to do the part that you cannot do. Speak to the places that are dead. Call forth life to the things that seem to be giving up. Go to places and take the Lord with you to places where you buried your dreams and say, this is where I gave up on it. He wants you to go there with him and he wants you to speak to it in the name of Jesus. He wants you to talk about the things that hurt you the most and deal with those things in faith believing because you don't have to know how to handle it. You just have to know the one who can handle it. If you just go to Jesus, take it to him, take him to the point where you gave up and said, if I can find love in you, God, I'll find it in the places where I laid down the things I thought you would love in my life. And so wherever you go, whatever you do, find your first love again by returning to the works you once did. Go to the places where you used to be. If you've drifted in life and you find that you don't have the passion for God anymore or a zeal for the things of God or coming to church to hear a message just seems like 
like another message, but it doesn't seem like it's a word from the Lord for you. You need to find your first love again. You've drifted, whether culture has affected you or whether life has affected you. You've drifted to a place where you still have a love for God, but maybe not the first love you had for God. The church at Ephesus, they did everything right, but they had one thing that offended God is they lost their first love. And the first love is only found if you go back and do your first works. Remember when you were saved? For me, it was so long ago. I don't even remember the kind of things I like to do. But I know that if, when I talk to friends, they're like, when I first got saved, I wanted to be at every Bible study that was available. I wanted to go to church as much as I could go to church. I wanted to pray every night when I came home from work or every morning I got up and went on my walk, I prayed because I just loved God so much. He was in every part of me. I couldn't help but talk about him to every person I talked to. I tried to to work it into the conversation because I knew how much he did for me. I knew he could do that for them. That first love that just effervesces out of your person and out of your spirit. If you've lost that, the thing you have to do is find out what did you do when you first fell in love and go do those things again. My wife and I went on a date last night. You remember when you first fell in love and you were going out? I don't know if this applies to some of you, maybe some of the younger guys, but I remember when I was taking on a date the first time, you know, you put on that cologne. Come come on, somebody help me out here. You got the music playing. You're getting ready. All right. It's going to be a good night. I got the plans made. I got the dessert reservation afterwards. Sarah and I were having one of those days yesterday where life had just kind of caved in everything. And we were headed somewhere, and we shut down every single plan we had for the evening. And I said, that's it. (laughs) We're going out to eat. We're going someplace really special. Because we weren't feeling as much love. We were so busy getting life done. And so what I said is, okay, shut it all down. We're going to go back to doing the things we first did when we fell in love. And I took her. You know how you do when you love somebody? I took her. I was going to take her to her favorite place, and she said, no, let's go to Cooper Hawk. We got ourselves a nice steak. You can stay there. That'll be a little bit too much if I start dragging you around the room preaching. They're already putting up with me. We'll just stop there. I took her to Cooper Hawk, and we had a nice dinner, and the lights were down low, and she was looking so beautiful across the table. And I kept on looking over and go, how do you feel now? How do you feel now? Because earlier it wasn't so good, you know. It was tears, and I don't know if I want to do this. I don't even know if I want to go here. But now she's like, you don't have to ask me anymore. I'm all, I'm all better. I'm like, oh, we're not done yet. We're going to go to Vino Cappuccino, and we're going to get some dessert. Because you need a finale, amen? You need a finale. So we went and got ourselves some nice chocolate mousse cake. She, she got herself a really nice cappuccino. We just sat there and just enjoyed each other's company. Because when you run out of love, it doesn't mean it's gone. It just means you got to go find it. You just got to wake up. What's lost? See, my wife knows that I'm not 
the type of mind that loses very many things. But I like to misplace stuff. <laughs> She's like, you need to get one of those beepers on your keys so that whenever you lose your keys, we can just set it off. We find it somewhere in the house. No, I'm doing better. I have a place to hang my keys so I don't lose them all the time. But I want you to know of all the people in my house, I misplace things more than anybody. Okay. <laughs> I'll go preach over here. She's amening too much. I misplace things all the time, but they're not lost. They're somewhere in the house. And the same thing is true with your first love with God. It's not lost. It's somewhere in the house of God. If you just go back to doing the things you first did, the things that brought love to your heart, the things that brought excitement to your spirit, where you felt yourself just falling in love with Jesus, those moments when you were doing the dishes and you just threw suds up in the air because you had a worship that just came out of you, and there were moments where you just felt like you worship God. Just spontaneous worship coming out of your soul. Remember those moments. You can have it back again. Just go back and do the things that caused you to fall in love. And you will find your first love again. Remember your first love. Remember what you did. And God will help you. God will meet you. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lazarus was a beautiful picture of what Jesus did. Did you know that nobody, nobody's opinion mattered when Lazarus came out of the grave? Seemed so important what everybody thought about Jesus and why he didn't show up. But when he became the resurrection, Lazarus came out. <laughs> Amen. Doesn't matter what anybody's opinion is of you and your walk with God. Doesn't matter what people think of you. Doesn't matter what people think of your relationship. If you have a genuine relationship with God and you walk with Him in honesty and integrity, guess what? When everybody's talking about you, just. It's all right. I don't care what you think about what I'm doing. You don't have to approve of my prayer life. You don't have to approve of the fasting that I do on a regular basis. In fact, I've pushed too many plates away for you to tell me that God's not worth living for. I've seen too many miracles for you to tell me that this doesn't work. Guess what? I'm coming out. I don't care how I come out. I don't care if I feel wrapped up by the things that I was bound to. I'm still coming out. And pretty soon, if you just keep believing, you just keep trusting God, those things start to fall off you. And then he said, unwrap him, loose him, and let him go. Guess what? The key to you being set free, the key to you being loosed from everything that tries to bind you is just keep coming out. Just keep trusting the word of God. You might come out different. You might have a resurrection that doesn't look like anything you thought it would be but just keep on trusting God keep on moving toward Jesus and he's going to say loose him loose her and let them go because they have heard the word of the Lord and they are obeying it thank you Jesus today for a love being shown in this place a love being released in this place I pray for a healing to wrap around every broken trust every broken situation I pray for power of God to be released I speak prophetically that the miracle is on its way the answer is already on its way God regardless of the position we can find our first love again if we'll put ourselves 
yourself back in the place where we first fell in love with you. Give somebody a renewed zeal for their prayer life. Give somebody a renewed hope for the word of God. Let them go home tonight and instead of turning on entertainment, open the word of God and begin to read the word. Let somebody find a love for intercessory prayer again. Let somebody find a strength from their relationships with their brother and sister at the house of God. Let there be great hope. Let there be great understanding. And let there be a great love. That first love return to us again. First love return to us again.